Blog Talk Radio. Kinging waves, Fox Beard, Locker's acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very hot. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Peter's cat, Kim Pack's cat, you had said enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe with that awesome theme song, which I happen to really enjoy. It's time for another episode of Trek Talking. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and with me as usual are my Trek experts, and we'll start out with Charles. He's out in Las Vegas a city that I'm going to be visiting in August. How you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. Last week I mentioned the roller coaster. Well, we're at the top of the roller coaster right now. It's a little cooler than it was yesterday. It's only 113 today instead of the 116 oh. we had oh. yesterday. Oh, that's awful. awful. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm gonna, I can't. Once you get past, once you get past 105, 110, it's just a, it's just hot. I can't wait to get there. I'm so excited. And uh, we also have with us Eric. Eric's out in Portland. How you doing tonight, Eric? Uh, I am doing great, man. Uh, we are a solid 30 degrees cooler than Charles. Uh, in the lower 80s, it's a beautiful day here. Uh, nice and sunny, kind of breezy. So. Uh, Pretty much the perfect early summer day, uh, and I am super excited about this movie. I love this movie. It's going to be so much fun to talk about. Yeah, you know, it's it's in the mid-70s here in Vermont. It's a beautiful day, and and looking forward to getting up to camp tomorrow. So it's a lot of fun. So, guys, our phone number here is 646-668-2433, and we're going to be talking about Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. Everybody remember where we parked. Give us a call. And tell us what you thought about the movie. We'd love to hear from you. But wait, there's more. Yesterday, a new teaser trailer for Star Trek Picard dropped. And we are definitely going to play that trailer for you guys and share our thoughts about it and break it down. It's only a minute long, so um, there's not really a lot there to break down. But we're going to do it for you anyway. So you want to hang around for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. We also have some Star Trek Lower Decks news to talk about. Um, How did Star Trek influence The Simpsons? You'll have to hang around and find out. And also, Star Trek Prodigy released character bios and the voice actors that will be voicing those characters on Star Trek Prodigy. And we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. We also have Star Trek birthdays around the globe, fan shout-outs, and our top cities. So we've got a lot to talk about, and we'd love to have you join us. 646-668-2433 is the number. 
We have 53,564 followers on our Facebook page. And uh, if you'd like to be one of them, just head over to facebook.com backslash Trek Talking and beyond. Spell that all out. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Tell us where you're from. If you see a heart next to your name, then your name has been picked for a fan shout out. If you can't remember that, the easiest way to find us, I think, is at Blog Talk Radio. Just go to Blog Talk Radio and type in Trek Talking, and that'll bring you right to our page, and you'll see a link there that'll take you to our Facebook page, and it will also take you to our um, Instagram page as well. So, without any further ado, Eric, how are our international numbers doing this week? Well, Jim, I have to say that the U.K. has never looked stronger. Uh, They continue to power forward and lead the charge uh, from our international listeners, setting, you guessed it, yes, another record with 6.34% of our listeners. So that is uh, way, way, way above and beyond what we've gotten from uh, any other country or region uh, out there. So, wow. Thank you so much, folks from the UK. That uh, that really means a lot to us for you to just be leading that charge and setting records for. I've I've lost track. Two months, maybe, maybe three months. I don't know. It's long enough that none of us can actually remember. So thank you so much. Your support really means a lot. Uh, but holding steady in that number two spot and gaining just a little bit of ground, we have Australia with 4.2 percent of our listeners. So thank you to the folks down under uh, and the dude. Call us, man. And the dude uh, in our number. Yes. <laughs> the dude. In our number three spot, in the number three spot, we have our Canadian brothers and sisters. And you know what? They dropped out of it for a little while, and we were we were frankly a little bit worried, maybe thinking that uh, you know, with with Chris not actually being able to be on the on the podcast for a while, maybe uh, Canada was gonna be gone forever. But they came back, and they're in that number three spot with three point two percent of our listeners. So thank you so much. Uh, you all mean a whole bunch to us as well. Norway's holding steady in that number four spot with 1.91% of our listeners, so thank you. And Germany in our number five spot with 1.22% of our listeners. So uh, if you do the math there, there are a significant portion of our listeners that come from outside the U.S., and that just really means a lot to us in addition to the three-quarters of our listeners that do come from domestic sources. So thank you. Thank you for interacting with us on our Facebook page. It really means a lot. Yes, we we appreciate each and every one of you guys. And as a way of kind of appreciating you even more, we've added a new segment, which I think this is like maybe a month that we've been doing this now. And uh, these are our top cities. Now, we have a couple of cities in here that are are, uh, special cities to, to us because they're cities that we come from, like Las Vegas, Portland, and uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, for instance. Uh, the rest of the shows, uh, cities that we have are the cities in our top 10 as by you guys, the amount of people that come from those cities that are enjoying our show. So, uh, Charles, what do our top cities look like this week? Well, our friend Shannon, who we believe is in near Indianapolis, Indiana, they've dropped a little bit. They went down to 38 from 31st last Portland, Oregon was 20th last week. They dropped to 22nd. Las Vegas was 15th last week with 19th. 
So we see a lot of fluctuations in all these numbers. But in our top ten, we're thinking, oh, there hasn't really been, oh, we had a little bit of a flip-flop last week. Well, we had another change this week. San Pablo, Brazil was ninth last week. They dropped to tenth. Brisbane, Queensland, Australia last week was eighth, but they're now ninth. And why do I have changes in ninth and tenth? Because San Antonio, Texas went from tenth down to eighth. Unless they got quite a few listeners last week. You get a good jump like that. And Thank then you, the Sam rest Antonio. of them, as we've been doing, Chicago, Illinois, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Los Angeles, California, Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, Sydney, New South Wales, Australia, London, UK, and New York, New York. New York City. <laughs> so our top seven don't say the same, but our top ten has seen a little bit of a little bit of rotation. San Antonio, Texas. Is is that near the Alamo? I wonder. I don't know. Uh, I sure. am the wrong person to ask about Texas geometry. Yeah, or yeah, geography. Texas. geography. I just don't know. No. Yeah, me neither. I don't know either. But. We do appreciate everybody in Texas uh, for tuning in. That's mm-hmm. awesome. The Alamo is go, in San the Antonio. Yeah, so, yeah, see that? Thank you, Nate. See, my history classes paid oh. off, didn't they? <laughs> so the fans are sitting there saying, don't forget the Alamo. Yep. Don't forget yeah. truck yeah. talking. We're not forgetting the Alamo. Definitely not. And... Um, not only do we do the cities, not only do we do the countries, but we do you guys individually and uh, by name. And for that, we're going to start off with Eric. So, Eric, who are your top fan shout-outs for this week? Well, our number one shout-out this week goes out to top fan Jody Thompson, who lives in the U.K. in Cornwall. So thank you, Jody. You're one of those fans who's leading our international charge. We really appreciate that. Fernando Ribeiro from McKay, Rio de Janeiro in Brazil gives us a little live long and prosper. So, Fernando, thank you so much for listening. And Brazil, that's one of those places I've always wanted to go. I hope I can make it down there one of these, one of these years because it seems like an amazing place, such a big and vast and diverse country. So really looking forward to that. So thank you, Fernando. Uh, Giz Roche Palma from the Philippines is listening to us today. Wow, that's cool. The Philippines. Have we had the Philippines before? That seems like maybe know. that's a new one. You might, you might be one of our first here, Giz. So thank you so much for listening to us and for interacting with us on our Facebook page. Uh, Michelle Cheeto, hello to you. She lives in the northeast of Ohio, one of those people from the Midwest. I'm originally from around the way. Uh, so, Michelle, thank you for listening to us. And last on my list, but certainly not least, is Daniela Trani from also, guess where? Brazil. So, two folks on my list from Brazil this week. Thank you, Daniela, for listening to us. We really appreciate uh, everything that you said to us on our page. So, Charles, who is on your list this week? Well, let's start off with Howard. How you? from Manchester, New Hampshire. 
Roy H.R.A. from Costa Rica. Lorraine J. Anderson from Three Rivers, Michigan. And this is one of our number changers. And Mandy Rogers from Australia. One of our many, many down under fans. And Stephanie Sherry from Florida, living in Okinawa. Boy, is that a cross change. That sounds military to me. Mm-hmm. That sounds like one of our military people. Okinawa. Isn't that where Mr. Miyagi was from and the karate kids? Wax on, wax off. Wasn't that Okinawa? Might have been. It's Japan. Not sure. Not sure. Maybe. I think he was. I believe no. so. I think I think so. That sounds familiar. I'm just I'm just overflowing with all kinds of useless knowledge tonight. So, anyways, um, we want to say uh, thank you to top fan Olga Sayez from uh, born in Puerto Rico but living in Pennsylvania. We also want to say hello and thank you to James Helps from Bristol, England. We want to send out a huge and hearty kapla to Ian Kilgore from Melbourne, Australia, another one of our top places. And Harry Renke from Fife, Scotland. And last but not least, Gilson Toma from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Thank you. Thank you so much to each and every one of you guys for listening. And if you'd like to have your name mentioned on a fan shout-out on a future show, just go to our Facebook page and uh, give us a shout-out. Tell us where you're from. And if you see a heart next to your name, that means you've been chosen and you're going to get an individual fan shout-out. Now it's time for our Star Trek birthdays. was not a Klingon song. No, it wasn't, but we like it anyways. Warf, you're so grouchy. And uh, we always start out our Star Trek birthdays with remembering those members of our Star Trek family who are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim. Uh, our very first remembrance this week goes out to an actor uh, named Dennis Ott. Uh, you absolutely would know who this gentleman is. He played the blue-horned alien in Star Trek VI uh, on Rura Pente, the one that uh, Kirk has to kick in the knee to sort of take down. And uh, it's interesting. I was just researching this actor. You know that he was six foot eleven inches tall. Um, and wow. I do not know why, but unfortunately, uh, we lost him when he was only 36 years old. So, uh, I'm not sure what the story is behind that, but, uh, it makes me want to learn a little bit more. So, uh, we do miss you, Dennis Ott, and happy birthday. Uh, we're also saying happy birthday and sending our remembrances out to Gary Wahlberg. He played Commander Hansen in the TOS episode Balance of Terror. He was the commander of the uh, of the space station there that uh, the Romulans were attacking with their their weapons and their new cloaking device. Um, so happy birthday to Gary Wahlberg. We're also saying happy birthday to Percy Rodriguez. He played Commander Stone in the TOS episode Court Martial, another classic, uh, really super cool episode about uh, Kirk being on trial. 
Uh, we're also saying happy birthday and sending our remembrances out to Cal Boulder, who played the character Keel in TOS's episode Friday's Child. Uh, Morgan Jones would have had a birthday this week. Uh, he played Colonel Jack Nesvig in the TOS episode Assignment Earth, uh, one of those episodes that uh, we're going to bring up again tonight in the context of Star Trek IV. Uh, but Morgan Jones was one of the naval officers in that episode, so happy birthday to Morgan, and uh, we do miss you. And finally, we're remembering William Newman this week, who played Kalen Trose in the TNG episode The Host. Uh, wow, what a, what a cool episode. Um, introduces the Trills. Uh, you know, we've got uh, Riker serving as temporary host, trying to complete these negotiations. Uh, Kalen Trose is one of the enemies, uh, I believe, from Beta Moon, if I remember right. Uh, he, one of the aliens who sort of had like like pointy head um, off to make up looked really cool. Maybe multiple mouthfuls. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> William Newman, uh, great job in that role. Uh, the makeup was probably uncomfortable, but you looked great, uh, and we love that character. So happy birthday to you. So those are all the folks who have gone before us who would have had birthdays this week. Charles, who is still with us that would have had a birthday this week? Well, let's, the start of week, with, <laughs> let's start off with Shannon Hill, who played Ensign Cito Jaak. I'm not sure the pronunciation of her last In TNG's First Duty and Lower Deck. I did a quick look up on her, and she's the one that plays the Bajoran in Lower Deck and had to go on that special mission. Then we got Tolman in the Voyager episode, Someone to Watch Over Me. Leslie Kendall played Yaris in DS9's episode of Vortex. And then one of our fun recent birthdays, Fred Tatasaurus played Lieutenant Shaq in Lower Deck. Then we got Malcolm McDowell, who played Dr. Tolan Thorin in Generation, which also happens to be Alexander Sig's uncle. Then we get some fun ones coming up. I rearrange to get these couplets together. Next, we got a birthday of Joe Piscopo, who was the comic in TNG's The Outrageous Okana, which we've had mm-hmm. fun talking about the episode with that character. But we don't think about the fact that that was the B story. Data wanted to learn how to be funny. Joe Piscopo might have been not the greatest choice to learn about comedy. <laughs> but definitely is an interesting character. And then the next one, we talked about her last week. We're going to talk about her again this week. Which I think just is a perfect timing. 
give a happy birthday to Robin Curtis, who played Lieutenant Seville in Star Trek 3 and Star Trek 4. Lieutenant Savick. 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 Thank you. And then also played... Ah, she was a spot. In, in, she, she, she also played... She was a, also was in... Yeah. She was a oh, spy yeah. in that episode. She played she played two she played one character but posed as two different people in that episode because she was a spy. She played Tara yeah. and Paul in TNG's Gamut One and Two. You have to go back and see that one. And then we've also got John Cho who played Sulu in the Kelvin Timeline, which is a pretty good Sulu in there. Absolutely. Yeah, cool, fresh take on Sulu that I just thought was so cool. And and the thing was is they kept evolving his character, too, over the three movies, which I thought was just so cool. Yeah, he was great. I, I, I posted a picture on our Facebook page of him and uh, and Anton Yelchin kind of high fiving each other, which was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Very cool. So, <laughs> all right. Yeah, there's a dog barking outside my my window here. You know, Live radio, I just radio. I just can't get away. For, I, I come all the way in the back room so that it's quiet. And the neighbor's dog has to be barking. I'm surprised my dog hasn't joined in. Usually, they're like dominoes. The one dog barks, the whole neighborhood barks. I'm surprised my dog isn't in here barking out the window. Anyway, you know, that's what happens when you're live. (laughs) Anyways, we got a couple minutes here. I'll see if I can squeeze in a few birthdays before we have to cut the break. Because I definitely want to get to the Picard trailer. So we're going to start off our first birthday with Christine Healy, who played... Uh, Surreal Raquel in the DS9 episode Meridian. Um, here's one that I, I think is really cool. Adam Maris, who played Captain Erica Hernandez in the Enterprise episode Home, Affliction, and Divergence. And for some reason, I thought that Captain Hernandez was in more than three episodes. But I went and looked it up, and apparently she was only in three, um, which yeah. kind of surprised me because she was a big character. Good. And She's the first female Starfleet captain ever. And people are like, well, no, there was Janeway and there was this one and that. No, but Enterprise takes place before all these other shows. Therefore, she's the first female captain. Um, USS Columbia. I'm sorry. Not USS Columbia. There wasn't USS this time. The NX. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Captain Hernandez. And she was a great character, too, I thought. Um, I thought she was a great balance for Captain Archer and um, that whole thing with T'Pol and Trip leaving the Enterprise and going to the Columbia. I just, I thought it was great. And the fact that she was the first female captain, I think is something worth noticing, mentioning as well. So happy birthday to her. And uh, we're just about, we're just about 40 seconds from our first break. Did you want to say something, Eric? I'll, I'll take the 40 seconds and I'll just say, except that uh, Captain Pike is uh, surprised by having uh, women on the bridge, right? He's not used to that. 
<laughs> that, that's true. For whatever that is true. <laughs> Even though Erica, have, Erica was there way before him, Erica Hernandez was long, you know, long before Pike. <laughs> yes, exactly. But you know, that that wasn't the federation wasn't formed at that point yet. So maybe when the federation started so, you know. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, they've done their best to kind of like, you know, having the out-of-order series come back and be able to fill in the gaps and stuff. So I, I just – that's just a little idiosyncrasy that's fun to laugh at if you're a Star Trek fan. <laughs> yeah, that, that's – yeah, we, we let that slide. So, listen, guys, we're going to take our first commercial break. And when we come back, I'm going to finish up with the birthdays. And then we're going to play the Star Trek Picard new teaser trailer and we're going to talk about it a little bit with you guys so don't touch that dial don't go away run don't walk to the bathroom because you don't want to miss anything we'll be right back after we hear from my buddy tj this podcast is brought to you in part by the freakopolis geekery the premier upstate new york comics and game shop centrally located between saratoga glens falls ticonderoga and rutland vermont the geekery is a haven for pop culture and science fiction fans For Star Trek fans, the Geekery features board games like Ascendancy, as well as awesome gaming titles like Star Trek Adventures RPG from Modiphius, Star Trek Away Team Zero Clicks, and of course, Star Trek Attack Wing Ship-to-Ship Tactical Combat for the Tabletop. The Geekery hosts casual play sessions, learn-to-play sessions, and sanctioned organized play tournaments with limited edition prize support. You'll also find comics and trade paperbacks at Freakopolis, including Star Trek titles from IDW. Lots of issues are in stock, and special orders are no problem. Whether you visit in person by shuttlecraft or beam in online to Freakopolis.com, you'll find yourself right at home at the Freakopolis Geekery. And we're back. We're right in the middle of Star Trek birthdays, and we're about to dive into the new Star Trek Picard trailer, but you guys are going to have to hang out with me for a couple more minutes while we finish up our birthdays. So the next birthday goes out to Felicia Bell, who played Jennifer Sisko. Um, in the DS9 episode, The Emissary, Through the Looking Glass, and Shattered Mirror. A very pivotal character in, in Deep Space Nine, but one that's not in as many episodes as you might think. So happy birthday to Felicia Bell. We're also saying happy birthday to William Lucking, who played Furel in the DS9 episodes, Shakar, The Darkness, and The Light, and also Harad Sar in the Enterprise episode, Bound. He was the big green Orion dude in that episode, if you guys don't remember that one. He was a pretty cool I character. Love Enterprise. Enterprise Orions look so cool. Yeah, they had these little spiny things in their faces, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, almost like, it's like technology or something, isn't it? It's almost like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It looks weird. I like it. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty cool, though. Um, the next one... Um, isn't as much a Star Trek birthday, although she was in Star Trek. Uh, but I know her from some other things, which I'm going to get to in a second. We want to say happy birthday to Adrian Barbeau. She played Kretek in the DS9 episode, Inter Arma and in Silence Legis. Whatever that means. But, <laughs> but I personally remember her very vividly from my teenage years in one of my favorite movies, Escape from New York with Kurt Russell. One, uh, I remember sneaking in to see that movie because it was R-rated, and we had to sneak in to see it. Loved Escape from New York, John Carpenter. But she was in a couple of other movies that I 
grew up watching. She was in Creep Show, um, which you, maybe you guys remember from, or maybe you don't, from 1982. She was also in another John mm-hmm. Carpenter movie, The Fog, which is another one I had to sneak into. And she was in Swamp Thing. So, oh my gosh. And she's, she wow. has been in a lot of other movies. Just tons. She was a huge icon in the 70s. Um, but anyway, so Eric, what, what? It means you wanted to translate? For among, yeah, it means for among arms, the laws are silent, but is most popularly rendered as in times of war, the laws fall silent. So ain't that true ah. for that? Wow. Okay. That's, that's interesting. So happy birthday mm-hmm. to Adrian Barbeau. Uh, we also want to say happy birthday to Clifton Collins Jr., who played I.L. in Star Trek 2009. He was the rom, the bald Romulan that talked, because um, the other Romulans took a, a vow not to speak, and this was the guy that spoke for Nero. So happy birthday to Clifton Collins Jr. And I always do the Klingons last, so we've got two Klingons here. We want to say happy birthday to Sherman Howard, who... Uh, played Endar in the TNG episode Suddenly Human. He was the father of the child that that was human. But I'm mentioning him because he played Tegreth in the Voyager episode Prophecy. That's the one where they find the Klingon uh, Katinga class floating around in the Delta Quadrant, and they beam all the Klingons mm-hmm. onto the Enterprise. He was one of the Klingons. I'm not the Enterprise. Onto the Voyager. He was one of the Klingons that got beamed onto the Voyager that that thought Balana Taurus was was the 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 uh, I forgot what the, the prophecy the bringer of souls yeah. or, I forgot what the title was but pretty cool episode so happy birthday to Sherman Howard and uh, last but not least we want to say happy birthday to Jessica Guiana who played the young Balana Taurus in the Voyager episode Lineage that's one I've never seen. I don't remember ever seeing a young Balana. I'll have to go back and find that one. Yeah, I don't remember it's it. Cool because, yeah, you you get to kind of see how she. Well, you get you definitely get a little bit more background that helps you understand sort of the internal, you know, the constant internal strife that uh, is Balana Torres. <laughs> so it's a good episode, definitely one to check out. I'm gonna have to find it. Okay, guys, it's time for Star Trek news. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. And that, you know what that means, don't you? know what that means mm-hmm. yeah yes that means that we are about to go boldly where no one has gone before well actually i'm sure everybody has gone there already on the internet but we're going to go there right now um there's a new trailer that dropped for star trek picard uh, i it was it's a minute minute and six seconds long it's not a very long one but it's there and we're going to break it down and talk about it right now. But first, I'm going to play it for you guys. So here it is. This is the Picard teaser trailer number two. Sit back and enjoy. Paris? 
Ferris! Ferris! What the hell is happening here? Excellent question, Jean-Luc. Oh dear, you're a bit older than I imagined. Mon capitaine, how I've missed you. Q. Welcome, my friend, to the very end of the road not taken. Time has been broken. We can save the future, and I will get us home together. <laughs> say is wow now we do have a caller on the line so let me see let me uh answer this phone call and see who we have on the line because i'm sure they want to join us in the conversation about star trek picard so let me see if i can get my kindle to answer the phone here um good evening thank you for calling trek talk and what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight well i think it's me mate Calling from Vegas. It's Nate from Vegas. How you doing, Nate? I'm doing all right. Staying in the air conditioning like I think Charles has been doing, although he he Uh has to go out to work. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's a a balmy 72 here, and I have the windows open, and my neighbor's dog was barking just a minute ago, so it's, it's a beautiful day here in Vermont. But let's talk about Picard. So... Obviously, that trailer has a long end uh, segment at the end where it's silent, and I want to start with that first for the people that are listening from ra- on the radio that d- didn't see that. That whole end of the of the trailer, that last eight or nine seconds where there's no sound. What's going on in that trailer is Annika Hansen is laying in her bed and she's got her hand on her face, so you can't see her face. She wakes up and she stands up. And we still can't see her face. And she turns and she looks at the mirror. And as the camera pans up, we see her face and she's not a Borg. She's completely human. And she seems to act surprised. And she looks down and on the counter in front of her mirror is a, I don't know what I want to call it. We're going to talk about it. It's not a Starfleet emblem. It's a red kind of pin. And we don't know what it is, but it's not Starfleet. I, I think it might be the Fenris Rangers, but I, again, I, I'm guessing. And she looks down at this emblem, which is on her, on her dresser in front of the mirror, and then the trailer ends and it says, coming in 2022. So that's the end of the trailer where there was no talking. So let's start with that, guys. What do you guys think? Yeah. Well, no, let's go to the beginning. The hell with that. Let's jump right to the meat and potatoes queue. Let's go right to queue. How's that? So... <laughs> So Q shows up, and if you guys saw the new poster for season two, it shows the Picard emblem, but it's a bunch of highways, and the highways mm-hmm. intersect at the top, with it, which looks like Los Angeles. I'm not sure. It looks like Los Angeles in the background, but then there's yeah, all these highways. Too, because of what looks like Nakatomi Plaza from uh, Die Hard right. to me, right? Uh, that's on the right-hand side. 
Yeah, I, I think it is Los Angeles. And there's highways with cars going in all different directions, but the main two highways form the Starfleet emblem, so that, which is pretty cool. Now, Q shows up, and in the trailer, Picard is wearing a different emblem on his shirt as well, which is one we've never seen. And, of course, we heard him calling for Laris, so she's there already. Um, I don't know who's narrating the video. Do you guys, is that, um, is that Rafi's voice? Who's narrating that? Does anyone know? Oh. That's funny. Sure. I didn't even pay attention to that voice. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe, yeah. We can Nate, is that Rafi that's, that's narrating that, or is that Laris? Do you, do you know? Uh, just like the rest of you guys, I didn't pay attention to the narration of who it might have been. Uh, I'd have to listen to it again. Well, okay. Well, you know what? We have that technology. We can make that happen. <laughs> Let's listen Don't to it again. Varys? Varys? Varys! What the hell is happening here? Excellent question, John Oh dear, you're a bit older than I imagined. Mon Capitaine, how I've missed you. Kill. Welcome, my friend, to the very end of the road not taken. Time has been broken. We can save the future, and I will get us home together. <laughs> that says time has been broken. Who, who says that? Yeah. Whose voice is that? Not sure because we know. It's hard, to it, say, it's hard to say because we know Rafi's involved in the time change. And Seven's involved in the time change. So it might well or the doctor. It might it be any like of the Rafi. three. Yeah. Who like is the character on screen when, uh, when that is said? It's um, it's, uh, uh, Dr. Girardi. So it might be her then. That doesn't doesn't sound like her. It sounded like everybody had their time to say something, and it matched whoever was on screen at the time. So that would be my guess. It could be. So, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about the trailer. So, Q, one of the when we did the poll, the most popular episode finale was of TNG, All Good Things, where Q takes Picard on a guided tour of what could have been, what might have been, and then he resets everything back to normal. And we do know that John Delancey is going to be in six episodes, three this season and three next season. So knowing that he's going to be in six episodes and they're doing two seasons simultaneously, that leads me to believe that we're going to see a all good things type of a deal that's going to be a multi-season type of a deal because 
The only reason why I would, could think of for them to introduce Q and then bring him back next season would be to fix everything that he unraveled, right? Would you guys agree or disagree or, yeah. or what? Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. I think there's some, yeah, I, I'm not sure what the cause of this time thing is, but uh, I almost get the sense from the trailer, at least, that Q comes in not with shenanigans, but with, like, may, he might need some help. I don't know, which is, which would be which would make sense in terms of the evolution of Q and Picard throughout TNG series, right? He starts out as just kind of a a thorn in Picard's side. Well, he starts out kind of meaningful, but then in the middle he sort of becomes a thorn in his side. Uh, and then towards the end there, he actually needs Picard's help. Uh, I can't remember what that episode is, but y'all know what I'm talking about where he loses his powers. Yeah. So yep. uh, I almost wonder. I almost wonder if this will be kind of a natural evolution of that because don't forget that Picard has been all about Picard's emotional and kind of mental switch, frankly, as he's aged and then now has, uh, spoiler alert, a new body, right? So Q's going to come in and he's going to be like, first of all, dude, you're an android. What's up with that? (laughs) And then he's probably going to be like, Dude, I need your help. I don't know. That's my guess. And it was only because of the the way that he sort of was presented for that very brief moment in the trailer, completely reaching. But what I'm guessing. Well, one of the scenes in the trailer is Picard wearing his uniform that he was wearing when Rafi and him met, and he resigned from Starfleet. And he's at. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's resigning, or that's the scene where he would have resigned from Starfleet. Um, but, but, you know, Q says the road not taken in the trailer. So I'm guessing that maybe he's giving Picard a view of what would have happened had he not resigned and stayed in Starfleet. So maybe, maybe. So maybe it's about what if Starfleet hadn't given up on the Romulans? What if, Be- yeah, because, you know, and have- the reason why I say that, yeah. Eric, is because... He walks into the house and he's calling Laris. And mm-hmm. he's, he, Laris she's isn't there. there. She's not there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, why wouldn't she be there? What, what, what would cause Picard not to rescue her? And what comes to my mind is what we read in the comic book there, um, the three-issue comic book, where Picard mm-hmm. and Rafi find them on the planet. Well, if the, Rami, if the Federation stepped in and saved everybody then Picard wouldn't have had to go to that planet and save them because they would have been saved by the Federation. That was my line of thinking. But the comics aren't yeah. canon, though. So They're not. And Laris shows up just very, very briefly in this trailer, like literally for about a second and a half, uh, kind of right in the middle of the trailer or so. And, and she's got uh, longer hair than we have seen her have, at least so far in season one. But it does kind of look like she's standing outside either Chateau Picard or some other really old building. And the other scene that we need to talk about that we see very briefly is Captain Rios on the bridge of his ship, but he's wearing a uniform with a pseudo kind of Starfleet-ish badge on. It's Mm -hmm. a Delta shield with a slice in the bottom of it, I guess is the easiest way to describe it. 
got like Someone's the top like, of a dagger well, uh, imprinted yeah. on it yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Like, is that an alternate universe, like the mirror universe, Rios, maybe? He is armed. He does have a weapon on, and he is wearing black, which is what we've seen in Discovery when they have their mirror universe episodes. Well, and if you look right after that part of the trailer also, you get this scene where Picard and uh, Elnor and Rafi are all wearing, like, cool-looking black as well. So I don't know if it's necessarily Mirror Universe, but, Jim, can we, can we get to what you asked at the very beginning, which I think we're there, which is that emblem that we see um, Annika, you know, look down at. So if you haven't seen the trailer, it's basically kind of a red crescent uh, that has some kind of dots that are connected in such a way as to at least remind me a little bit of Borg, of the little Borg hand, you know, the little animal claw that is the Borg hand. And then it kind of has this, like, starburst thing over the top of it that has four points that is vaguely reminiscent to me of Mirror Universe. Not necessarily, but maybe... So I'm very curious as to what your guys' theories are on that emblem, because I kind of feel like we're dancing around Romulans here. We're dancing around, you know, Laris and, and maybe Mary Universe, but obviously the last, you know, quarter of the trailer is all about Annika. So that that's the part that they chose to focus on well, uh, in the trailer. Right. Well, well we okay. forgot one other one other part of the trailer. And now the part of the trailer is that Soji is alive. Yeah, um, she's, she's not dead. I figured that she's, was memory. Yeah. Well, that could be. It's, it's, it's anything is possible. I mean, we're going but back. She, we already see we already see uh, Picard in his old uniform, so I'm kind of figuring we might be back, we might be pulp fictioning this as as Jim describes, right? We're going to get stories from the present, stories from the past, all kind of interwoven with one another. Which would be cool. So why do you think – well, I, I just asked one question. Well, I should okay. ask another. What do you think about the symbol? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, can, if I can jump in. Okay, what if, what if we damage the timeline? What if the Federation saves the Romulan? It's a possibility that – Our former former Federation crew member, our captain, is still in the Federation. But if the Romulans are saved, the Romulans don't take over the cube, and we don't know what happened to the XBs. If we don't have the XBs, it's a possibility that Annika might have been cured from her, completely cured from her Borg implant. But at some point she might have had, the Romulans may have worked with them and successfully removed the Borg implant. So are we going on a timeline, Ben? Did you guys notice that she had a wedding ring on? When she I reaches up to it, notice that. Yeah. Is and she married to Chakotay? Or did that <laughs> timeline get erased? <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. 
that that's why I kind of thought maybe there's a I I don't know she doesn't because she had the option I think in Voyager to remove her implants didn't she I thought that she in the end could have had them removed but decided not to but I I could be wrong I I, I don't know I feel like I should know that. Does anybody else have any clue as to whether or not she had an option at the end of Voyager? I'm not the huge, I missed quite a few Voyager. I try to catch up on them when I can. But I was under the impression that the ones that were left on her uh, were at the time had to be left on. Now, maybe the technology in the future has changed and she has the option to remove them. I'm, I'm not sure. I just kind of read it as alternate timeline. You know, she wakes up and is like, whoa, what's going on? Didn't expect that. Uh, And they did. And they said in the trailer that it was a time thing. It's definitely an alternate timeline. And we, we, we know this from the trailer and from the poster and what Q says. So it's definitely going to be some alternate timeline stuff going on there. Um, There is a scene where Rafi's running through the street with, I don't know if it's Soji or Dodge. I'm not sure which one of them it is. But she's running down an alley being chased by somebody. And it's definitely Rafi because she's got that big poofy hair. It's only a quick, brief glimpse of this. So um, I don't know who they're running from or where they're running to. But overall, what are you guys, does this make you more excited, more psyched? For the season, what do you think, Nate? Are you really are you looking forward to it more now that you've seen this minute clip? <laughs> well, it's always nice to see Q, so uh, he'll I think bring a, a nice, fresh, uh, new twist to things. Uh, so I'm excited for that at the very least. Yeah, that's Q is always good. What about you, Eric? What do you think? Are you more excited or after seeing this clip? Yeah, I'm definitely more excited. I think I'm. I'm just. There's a lot of stuff going on here because I, you know, one of the big things from season one that we have to kind of deal with is Picard in his new body, and I feel like they're gonna, they're gonna have to talk about that in season two. So between that and more Romulans and more Borg and all that kind of stuff, I think there's there's probably going to be a lot going on uh, in season two, but. Uh, you know, they did a pretty decent job of weaving a lot of complicated stories together in season one. So I have some faith that they'll be able to do it again in season two. And this, this trailer definitely gets me excited for it. Hey, I, I really like how they, how they explain Q aging. They didn't really have to explain it. They just kind of did it. It was like, oh, you're older than I remember. And then when, when Q shows up, he's older. All the explanation mm-hmm. you need, Q can do what he wants because he's Q, right? End of story. Yeah, he's an omnipotent yeah. being. He can right. look however he wants to look. Exactly. And uh, how, how about you, Charles? You get to bring up the caboose on this one. Well, I've one of the things we didn't bring up was the fact of Hugh's outfit. We get this black sort of uniform. And I think it's definitely an interesting representation of you this time around. But that he didn't choose a Starfleet uniform. He didn't. He he chose something very calm, I'm, I'm not like the, the red robe 
he came in with something a little more calm, a little more. I'm not sure how we're going to, have to wait and see what it looks like, but definitely I think the new outfit's going to be interesting. But I think this might have answered a couple of questions and added six more. And so I, I yeah, that's, I want that. I want a trailer like this to do that. I want this trailer. Okay, maybe this is going to happen. Maybe this is going to happen. But it's like, okay, we got a lot of questions we don't know about. And I think that's exactly how this goes. And, and Charles, I, more. I hope that when I'm in Las Vegas for the 55-year convention in August, that Patrick or somebody makes a surprise appearance and that they drop another trailer on us like they did last year. And then we can talk about it live from the convention with all of our listeners. That would be so cool. It's very possible. It's very possible they could drop something that week, that week. It may not be Paramount, but that's still a Star Trek convention. That's still a spot where you can get a lot of attention, a lot of fans' interest. Good place. That would be awesome. Especially since San Diego is not until October. Right. Exactly. Well, guys, um, we, we skipped over Star Trek news. We're going to squeeze some in here. We've got a couple stories I think we definitely want to talk about, but we're going to take another quick commercial break. We're still going to talk about Star Trek Four, so don't you worry. Don't touch that dial. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this very quick commercial break. Don't touch that dial. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back. We're talking about Star Trek Picard, and uh, we just wrapped up our talking about the trailer for that, which which uh, was interesting. And I think we're going to talk about Star Trek Four, but there's a couple of stories that I think we definitely have to talk about that we don't want to push to next week. And one of them um, is a story that Eric is going to talk about, and that's about Star Trek Prodigy. Star Trek Prodigy dropped the character details um, on the new series. And I definitely want to share that with you guys now because that's pretty hot news. So, Eric, what can you tell us about Star Trek Prodigy? Yeah, this is a great article. Star Trek Prodigy character details and voice cast revealed along with first look images. Earlier this year, we got our first look at the characters of Star Trek Prodigy, the upcoming CG animated kid series that follows a motley crew of young aliens who must figure out how to work together while navigating a greater galaxy in search for a better future. Together, the kids commandeer a derelict Starfleet ship in the Delta Quadrant, where they meet an emergency training hologram based on Captain Janeway, voiced by Star Trek Voyager's Kate Mulgrew. Paramount Plus introduced their lineup of voice talent behind the six young alien Starship crew members, along with character names and descriptions. The following is the official breakdown for each character. So, we have Rock Talk. An unusually bright eight-year-old girl from Bakar, Rock is a bit shy, but not when it comes to her love for animals. Voiced by Riley Al- Alazara Kwai, 
which I think is a, how you pronounce it? Not sure. But voiced by Riley, uh, daughter of prolific voice actor Carlos Alazarraquai. Sorry. <laughs> so Rock Talk looks like a cool character. We also have Dahl, a 17-year-old and member of an unknown species. He fancies himself as a maverick who, even in the toughest of times, holds strong onto his unwavering hope, voiced by Brett Gray. We have Zero, a Medusan, a non-corporeal, genderless, energy-based life form. Since others would go mad at the sight of their true self, Zero wears a containment suit they made themselves to protect others, voiced by Angus Imry. We also have Jenkin Pog, a 16-year-old Tellarite. Tellarides are known to relinquish an argument, uh, to relish, excuse me, not relinquish at all, <laughs> to relish an argument, and Jenkin is no different. Regardless of opinion, he will always play devil's advocate for the sake of hearing all sides, voiced by Jason Manzutakis. And uh, we have Gwyn, a 17-year-old Vau Anacht, who was raised on her father's bleak mining planet and grew up dreaming of exploring the stars, voiced by Ella Purnell. And finally, we have Murph. Age and species is unknown, but Murph is an endearing, indestructible blob with curiously good timing and an insatiable appetite for ship parts, voiced by D. Bradley Baker. Now, Prodigy is set in the Delta Quadrant, the same setting as Star Trek Voyager, though none of the characters revealed so far have a connection to that series. However, there are connections to the original Star Trek and the extended universe of Trek. Tellarites were first introduced in the original Star Trek episode, Journey to Babel, and are one of the founding races of the United Federation of Planets, along with humans, Vulcans, and Andorians. Tellarites have appeared multiple times on multiple Star Trek series, including Star Trek Discovery, Lower Decks, and Picard. Previously assumed by most to be a robot due to the design of the character, Zero has been revealed to be a Medusan in a, quote, containment suit. This mysterious telepathic non-corporeal race first appeared in the original Star Trek episode, Is There No Truth Beyond Beauty? And the deepest cut from the character reveals is for Rock Talk. Bricarians are a Federation race first introduced by author Peter David, in the Starfleet Academy TNG era series with a character named Zach Cabron. Cabron went on to be featured in David's New Frontier novel series. So there you go. We have some cuts from uh, books. We have some cuts from Voyager. We have some cuts from TOS. Uh, we have some familiar characters like the Tellarite. Wow, what a cool, diverse, and interesting cast uh, of characters. I was super excited to, um, to see the way they presented it, too. They actually had these great graphics that showed the, the uh, actors next to their characters. And I always like that, especially in an animated series, right, so that you get that connection between what the actor actually looks like <laughs> and the character that they voice. So this was a really special story for me. I am so excited about this. I, my kid is growing older and older, so it's less important to me to engage her in a, in a way that young kids, I think, are supposed to be engaged by the series. But I'm just so excited that it's going to be available for young kids. It's going to be, I think it's going to be interesting, and I, I'm looking forward to talking about it on this podcast. And, Charles, you've got some inform- from information on Lower Decks for us as well. I do believe. Okay. Yes. 
because I talked a little bit about this last. Recording has already started for Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3. In May, Lower Decks creator showrunner Mike Mahanen revealed that they were well into writing for Season 3 of Lower Decks, and now it appears the show is ready for voice acting production as well. On Sunday, Tony Newsom posted a selfie on Instagram with the message Season 3 along with a hashtag for Star Trek Lower Deck. Images show the actors recording in a, rec- in a recording booth wearing a shirt from Lower Deck. It does appear that Newsom is alone in the booth recording as Ensign Second Mariner without her co-star Jack Quaid voicing Brad Baumler. Quaid recently said he missed being in the recording studio live with Newsom as they had for season one. If possible, Quaid wasn't available for the recording with Newsom as he's currently in Toronto for the production of The Boys. Season two of Lower Decks arrives August 12th on Paramount Plus and CTV Sci-Fi in Canada 2 and Amazon Prime internationally. Season 1 debuted the first week in August 2020. So with production moving along the uh, the pace, Season 3 is expected to arrive in 2022. Pretty awesome. Pretty yeah. awesome. Get this and it's, nice, it's nice the fact that they're saying, okay, we've got it to post-production already, and instead of taking a ball pause in there, let's just go straight to Season 3. Exactly. Let's get multiple episodes, multiple seasons put together so we can get more consecutive trucks going. And which is a good idea, I think. And yeah. uh, this one quick story that I want to go over real quick, and that is that all 11 Star Trek movies are now available on Paramount Plus. This was a stickler for me. I've been emailing them, and I've been bitching and moaning and bitching and moaning ever since this whole thing happened. So uh, Paramount Plus touts itself as the home of Star Trek with every single episode from every single series, including a number of original series. And now the streaming service is finally becoming the home of almost every Star Trek movie, too. The Star Trek films offering from Paramount Plus now includes all six original films and all four Next Generation movies. They also added the latest film in the franchise, 2006 Star Trek Beyond. However, the first two Kelvin Universe movies from J.J. Abrams, 2009 Star Trek and 2013 Star Trek Into Darkness, are not currently part of the streaming service. The current exclusions of two Star Trek films is likely due to issues of complicated licensing rights. And so it is quite possible that all 13 films will not become available on Paramount+. Plus. Other films added include Terminator Dark Fate, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, Skyfall, Gemini Man, Rocket Man, The Wolf on Wall Street, The Birdcage, The Dictator, School of Rock, Tropic Thunder, Dora and the Lost City of Gold, Sonic the Hedgehog, and The Addams Family. So Paramount Plus is definitely adding to their Star Trek library, which they should, actually. So, guys, yes, we kind of sped through that a little bit it. because... Go ahead. To add to it, 
while, when I saw this story, I decided to jump on quickly to Paramount Plus and take a look. And yes, I did see eleven movies on the screen. Yep, but it's, it's weird about that time. They are there. It's weird that Beyond is the only Kelvin movie. Like that's just, uh, and I don't know if like it's because licensing changed and there's that's why there's one of them on there. It feels like there should be either none or all. You know, not one well, of them. If if I remember correctly, uh, way back in 2009 when they did that first movie, uh, wasn't there something in there about? Um, Something with, with the discovery they were working on discovery and they had to keep them separate or there was some crazy licensing thing going on there between the TV and the movie franchise and it wasn't until CBS All Access came CBS, along. That was CBS. That was CBS versus Paramount. Right. But with Viacom cleared up, that went away. But there may be some special dealings with Bad Dog and such for some of the licensing for the early movies. Yeah, I'm I bet thinking that... Is. I bet the rules change for the later ones. Yeah, when they when, by the time they made Star Trek Beyond, I think those that merger and those rules and those licensing things had been settled. So 2016, that movie became available, but the other two, I think, were in, entangled in that whole... And that whole mess, but we'll we'll see. I, I'm I'm happy with eleven. I'll take eleven. That's great because anytime I want to watch Star Trek, I can just flip there and I, and I know I'm going to find them, which is awesome. So guys, our phone number here is six four six 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 eight two four three three. I'm sorry that we rushed through the news so quick, uh, but we I really thought it was important to talk about the Star Trek Picard trailer, and I definitely wanted yeah. to get to Star Trek four. The voyage home. So, if you guys don't remember, I I don't imagine how you can't. Here is the trailer for Star Trek for The Voyage Home. Maybe. Avoid the planet Earth at all costs. We are under the attack of an opening probe. Notify all stations. Starfleet emergency. Red alert. Earth is on the edge of destruction. We cannot survive unless a way can be found to respond to the probe. The key to saving the future. Spock, you're talking about the end of every life on Earth. Can be found only in the past. We're going to attempt time travel. Sulu, take us home. These are the voyages of the crew of the Starship Enterprise. Judging by the pollution content of the atmosphere, I believe we have arrived at the latter half of the 20th century. Stardate, 1986. San Francisco. Our own world is waiting for us to save it. They have 24 hours. Everybody remember where we parked. Break up. To complete their mission. It looked like a cadet review. We will beam in tonight to collect the photons and beam up. I want you all to be very careful without being discovered. We have an intruder. All right, who are you? You're not exactly catching us at our best. That much is certain. This is an extremely primitive and paranoid culture. What does it mean, exact change? Many of their customs will doubtless take us by surprise. We're ready for beam out. My transporter power is down to minimal. We've got to bring in one at a time. You're from outer space. No, I'm from Iowa. I only work in outer space. Let's do our job and get out of here. Take off, can you hear me? You can't. Our next stop is the 23rd century. Pull 
four, the voyage home. So, Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, opened theatrically on Thanksgiving weekend, November 26, 1986. Since Star Trek had traditionally performed poorly internationally, the producers created a special trailer for foreign markets that de-emphasized the Star Trek part of the title, as well as retelling the events of The Wrath of Khan and The Search for Spock. That's a weird intro. Um, I don't know if did you guys... The version of Star Trek Four that you guys watched, did you watch it with that intro or without? Without. Yeah, I watched it with the I watched it with the intro this time, which is not the way that we originally saw it in the theater. And um, you know, it's an okay kind of like you know last time on Star Trek sort of recap of the last two movies. I think it does a good job of making it clear that this is a trilogy, but uh, it's definitely not the way that you necessarily want to start a movie in an American theater, you know, that you're, that you're releasing. You don't want, you know, it, it was a little boring, but it did give you the backstory if you hadn't seen the previous two movies. Yeah. I hadn't seen it in so long. And then I sat down to watch it and I'm like, wait a minute, am I watching the right movie? What, what, what is this? And I know. Uh, it was totally you know, different. Yeah. It, it was totally different, the opening, but, uh, I'm glad I saw it because now I know what they're talking about right here because I never realized that. So that was pretty cool. Uh, The Voyage Home was the first Star Trek film shown in the Soviet Union, screened by the World Wildlife Fund on June 26, 1987, in Moscow to celebrate a ban on whaling. Attending the screening with Nimoy was Harv Bennett, who was amazed that the film (coughs) proved as entertaining to the Russians as it did with American audiences. He said... The single most rewarding moment of my Star Trek life was when the Moscow audience applauded at McCoy's line, the bureaucratic mentality is the only constant in the universe. We'll get a freighter. Great line. Bennett believed it was a clear message of what was yet to come. Vonda Vonda and McIntyre wrote a novelization that was released on the same time as the film. It was the biggest tie-in novel published by Pocketbooks and spent eight weeks on the New York Times bestseller list peaking at number three in its first week the voyage home ended crocodile dundee's eight-week reign at the box office the star trek film made 39.6 million dollars in its first five days of release exceeding the search for spock's opening ultimately the film grossed a global total of 133 million dollars in six weeks the voyage home sold 81.3 million dollars in tickets more than the franchise's second or third film, and almost as much as Star Trek The Motion Picture. The film was a major commercial success for Paramount. Much of the credit of Paramount's success was given to the chairman, Frank Manicoso Sr., who moved The Voyage Home's release from Christmas to Thanksgiving after research showed that the film might draw filmgoers away from the golden child. The Voyage Home received mostly positive reviews. Nimoy called it the most well-received of the Star Trek films made at that point, and it appealed to a general audience in addition to franchise fans. On Rotten Tomato, the film holds an approval rating of 81% and an average rating of 6.8 out of 10. The critics' consensus reads, Star Trek IV The Voyage Home is perhaps the lightest and most purely enjoyable entry of the long-running series emphasizing the eccentricities of the Enterprise crew. In 2018, Popular Mechanics ranked a scene where Chekhov talks about the nuclear vessels 
as the 50th greatest moment in science fiction. The film was dedicated to the crew of the Space Shuttle Challenger, which broke up 73 seconds after takeoff on the morning of January 2nd, 1986. And that's all the information that I have for you on Star Trek IV. We mentioned that Three Tomatoes gives it a 6.8. Charles, what do our fans give it? Okay, let's start off with top fan, Kevin L. Watson. Gave it a 10. Jamie Zach. Hmm. Eight for me. Uh, Brent Whitley. Said seven. Very very silly premise, but they made it work. I enjoy. This one's a 10 for me. I can literally watch it anytime. Terry Perry. Give it 9.5. Almost perfect, very quotable and rewatchable. Top fan Robert Brander gave it an eight, but it was definitely the funniest one. Brian Berger, Berger, uh, definitely a ten. My favorite of the theatrical voyages. Kevin Morgan, a five. I liked it more when I was younger, but the plot's a little unbelievable. Just, it's really just there for the, to tell the joke. Tom fan Christian Snyder gave it a 10, and top fan Jason D. Lewis gave it a 9, giving us an overall fan rating of about 8.7. Yeah, so our fans are about two points higher than the fans rating it on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, which is interesting um, when you think about it. But still, those ratings come directly from our fans, from the people that are listening to the show right now, which is pretty cool, I think. And uh, we're going to talk about the movie right now, but, but before we do that, we have a caller on the line. So let's see, let's see who we have on the line. If I can get this thing to work. Come on. There we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Terrence Nolan from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Actually, boiling hot uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> boiling hot. Yeah, we, we heard from Charles and we heard from Nate. So what do you think about Star Trek Four? Oh, it's a classic. It's one of the best Star Treks in the, in the series. I remember, I remember it back in the day. I watched it back in the day. <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> the day. Now, be careful how you say that, back in the day. <laughs> That's fine. We're, I'm, not a kid, you're, I'm not a kid either anymore. <laughs> I'm getting used to that statement now. So what do you think? Do you agree with the fans or, uh, at 8.7, or do you think that uh, Rotten Tomatoes 6.8 is, is a better rating for the movie? Well, I, I'm I'm more of a closer to nine actually for personal. I mean, I love I loved it. I, I, I love. Uh, I mean, it, it definitely you could definitely feel it's from the '80s and not at everything, uh, especially since I used to live in San Francisco uh, back in the '90s. Uh, um, but it's it's beautiful. I mean, the sets are it, the sets are beautiful. It's wonderful to see them. Wonderful to see, kind of a, like a time capsule back then, and, and it's wonderful to see how a 
a uh, 23rd century person has to deal with a 20th century person? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Definitely. It definitely is. So listen, guys, we got to take a, a our final commercial break for the night, and then we come back. We're going to finish talking about Star Trek Four. Our phone number here is six four six 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 eight two four three three. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Trek talking, all things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, seven thirty to nine thirty. All hailing frequencies are open iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And welcome back. We're talking about Star Trek for the Voyage Home, and uh, we have a caller on the line, another caller on the line. Let me see if I can get the person on with us. Why is this thing so slow? There we go. <laughs> hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Thank Trek you. Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? This is Shannon. I'm calling from Kentucky. Shannon! Hey, what's up? We're <laughs> <laughs> talking about my favorite movie. Come on. <laughs> well, we we definitely got to have you on then, right? <laughs> right. So I take I take it that you're you're in the 8.7 category of the fans that answered our poll on Facebook. Well, are you talking about for the Star Trek movies as or the Star Trek episodes because they're different rates? Yeah. Yeah, Star Trek. For the Star four. Trek movie, I know, but the Star Trek movie, I give it nine point five. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's wow. funny. It's like funniest episode it, one they have. So. It it is. It's great. Um, I do want to play. I do have here. Let me find it. Let me find it. There mm-hmm. it is. I do have uh, the, the Star Trek for the Voyage Home teaser trailer, which, which is very short, which I want to play for you guys here. Admiral Kirk is being court-martialed. There shall be no peace as long as Kirk lives. Spock has lost his memory. It's me, McCoy. You really have gone where no man's gone before. They're going back in time to explore the strangest world of all. Any other customs will doubtless take us by surprise. You guys like Italian? No. 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 Yes. Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, rated PG. Beaming to theaters everywhere, Wednesday, November 26th. I love that Italian scene in the truck. Do you love Italian? No, yes, no, yes, no, yes. And so do you. I love it. There's so many um, scenes in this movie that are quotable that, that people talk about. It's such a classic. Like, how about Scotty? Hello, computer. Great. Great. <laughs> you know? It's, just, it's so funny. Everybody remember where we parked as they walk away from the bird of prey? Um, yeah. Double, double dumbass on you. That, that, that's yeah. another great one. Um, I mean, there's so many. There's not, so they're, many they're great not, ones. Wait, sorry, they're, and it's not. They're not them. Your damn whales. He's talking about the, the right. whales saying that they don't belong to her. Yeah. yeah. When mm-hmm. that's right. When Spock jumps <laughs> into that whale tank, Shannon, yeah. and yeah. It, oh, in yeah. this scene in the yeah. movie. We, we don't actually see the whales. What we see is we see these two old ladies in front of Kirk, he's, and he's looking. And uh-huh. you, you can see what's going on by Kirk's reaction when he puts his hand on his head. And, and the old lady says, maybe he's singing to that man. And we all know what man, what's going on. And then the camera flips around, yeah. and there's Spock mind-melding the whale. Great scene. 
Um, I do happen to have though. I want to play this mm-hmm. for you guys. I forgot that I had it. This is this is one of those one of those memorable scenes from this movie. Yeah. A double dumbass on you. A double dumbass on you. The colorful metaphor. Colorful metaphors. Well, and that's the best part is that whole. There's that whole series of events where Scott, where Spock uses the hell in a whole bunch of improper ways, like. What are you doing in there, Spock? Attempting the hell to communicate, you know? <laughs> or like yeah. what Chance said, well, not the hell your whales. <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, I suppose they told you that. And he's like, the hell they did. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm just you. So sorry. <laughs> he's using it all wrong. And yeah, I do have, I do happen to have here, I'm going through my clips from previous shows, and I do happen to have here, the 50th best sci-fi moment of of all times, and this is Mr. Chekhov with the nuclear vessels. Yes, under U.S. government. Now we need direction. Excuse me, sir. Can you direct me to the naval base in Alameda? It's where they keep the nuclear vessels. Nuclear vessels. Oh, excuse me. Uh, we are looking for nuclear weapons. Can you tell me where the naval base is in Alameda? We're, we're looking for nuclear... Hello? We are looking for the nuclear weapons in Alameda. Could you tell me where... Can you Could help you, us? Please, we're looking for the naval base in Alameda. Could you tell me where the nuclear weapons are? Nu- Ooh, I don't know if I know the answer to that. I think it's across the bay. In Alameda. That's what I said, Alameda. Alameda. I know but that. But where is Alameda? <laughs> and, and you know what's great about that scene is you have to put yourself in the context of 1986 during the heart of the Cold War, and there's a Russian walking mm-hmm. around looking for nuclear vessels, and it, it was it was yeah, perfectly I kept done. Arrested. Yeah. And the cop was just staring at him like, "What is wrong with yeah. this dude?" <laughs> it was He's like, "I'm about to arrest you." <laughs> The funny thing yeah. about that scene was that mm-hmm. gal wasn't an actor. She just popped up on scene through that long right. out, and the directors, they're chasing her down, but find the, could you find this, sign this <laughs> release form? It's like, yep. we, want, we want to keep that scene there. It was so fun. It was, it was great. And in hindsight, though, maybe it would have been better if Ahura asked for directions, but then you wouldn't have gotten that whole interaction, which was great. Yeah. Right. Um, I have another one I want to play for you guys and I want to talk about, and this one needs no introduction because you guys are going to catch it right away. Excuse me. The single mother 
what'd you think about that scene, Terrence? <laughs> uh, <laughs> classic, you know, <laughs> having to deal with deal with that 20th century stuff. <laughs> it was great. Oh, it was really perfectly well, I, done. I looked. I looked up a little detail on that for some trivia I did last night. And that on that that person who did that character was Kirk Thatcher, who ironically oh, nice. was Leonard Nimoy's assistant in Star Trek three and four. But when they couldn't find an actor to take that role, Kirk jumped in and said, "I want to do it." In fact, Kirk got a crediting he co-wrote. The song that's played there. It, it, it's a great scene. It's like, you get, you get, my, you get Nimoy's assistant shows up on screen playing a memorable character. And he was actually at the last convention I went to doing autographs and stuff. <laughs> really? So wow. When you, go, when you go to STLV, I know it's not STLV anymore, but when you go there this year, you might see him. That would be cool. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. And I have one more clip I want to play for you. I didn't realize how many Star Trek Four clips I had actually downloaded over the years. <laughs> um, There's so many. But I, I have one. I've got one more to play for you guys. I hope you guys like this one. You're not exactly catching us at our best. That much is certain. I have a hunch that we'd all be a lot happier discussing this over dinner. What do you say? Oh. You guys like Italian? No. Yes. yes no. no. Yes. No. Yes. I love Italian. And so do you. Yes. <laughs> that that one gets me every single time I watch the movie. Yeah. Because the the way the camera goes back and forth from the faces of the three people in the truck is just Nimoy framed the scene. Perfect. Um, he couldn't have done it any yeah. better. Yeah. Uh, you know, because as they're talking, you get, you get to see the reaction on, on Kirk's face and on her face and the blank look on Spock's face. It's, it's perfect. I mean, Nimoy was, was a genius when it came to setting up these scenes and getting them on film. And I'm sorry, I lied to you guys. I lied. Because I have exactly one. one more. Spock, here we are. Thanks to your restored memories, a little bit of good luck, we're walking the streets of San Francisco, looking for a couple of humpback whales. How do you propose to solve this minor problem? Simple logic will suffice. I believe I shall begin by making use of this map. I have the distance and bearing which were provided by Commander Uhura. If we juxtapose our coordinates, we should be able to find our destination, which lies at 283.7 degrees. I think we'll find what we're looking for at the Station Institute in Sausalito. A pair of humpback whales named George and Gracie. How do you know this? (laughs) Simple logic. (laughs) (laughs) Does it mean exact change? What does it mean, exact change? 
A lot of a lot of <laughs> fans will uh, look at the comments on our Facebook page about this movie. A lot of fans will complain and say that it was silly. Um, it wasn't Star Trek because it was too humorous. It didn't take place in the future. There's a lot of people that will complain about a lot of different things about this movie. But I think that all those things that they complain about are exactly what makes this movie so unique and so special to everybody that mm-hmm. sees it. Because Star Trek thrives when it steps outside of the box, when it makes us think of things in a different way, see things in a different way, and presents them to us in a different way. And Star Trek is always on a ship in space, um, Klingons and Andorians and different things of this nature uh, going on around us. But in this particular movie, they took all of that away. They stripped it away. And they took the characters that we know and love so much that we're so familiar with and put them in our world, which was a complete departure from anything that had been done before. And I think that's why it's such a, a, a popular movie. I mean, my parents, who know nothing about Star Trek, there's only one movie. If you bring up Star Trek, and they'll say, oh, the one with the whales. And, and that's the only Star Trek they know. And I think there's a lot of people out there that would, would respond that way. The one with the whales. And that's fine. You know, I, I don't have a problem with that. But I think each Star Trek movie is different in its own way, and that's the way it works the best. You don't want to see the same mm-hmm. thing movie after movie after movie after movie. And so I personally, I think Star Trek Four is right up there. I, I, you know, I want to give it a nine, I think. It's funny. It, it has a lot of humor to it. And the humor that they use is not it's not slapstick comedy and it's not, it's not uh, the comedy that they use in Star Trek four is natural comedy. I guess if that's a word for it, because our characters aren't used to where they are. So they're responding in a humorous way, but in a way that's not written to be humorous. It's only humorous because of who they are and where they are. And I think that's why Star Trek four works so well. And uh, Terrence, we'll let you. What do you think about Star Trek Four? What What are your thoughts? Well, I agree with you. It, it's definitely the humor is natural because you're taking people and you're putting them in an in an environment that's radically different from them. I mean, uh, the Star Trek world of uh, where Kirk's from is is several hundred is a couple hundred years in the future. I mean, just try doing the opposite. Take somebody from the seventeen or eighteen hundreds and stick them in our world and see how they read it. See how they function in that. I mean, yeah. Uh, so for them to have all those quirks of like, they're from a they're from a currency currency less society. It's like, so what's money? What's exact change? They don't even know that concept, you know. Uh, and also the fact that, like I said, San Francisco itself has probably changed in a couple hundred years. So uh, Ahura and uh, and and Chekhov, even if they're from Earth, which I don't know if they're exactly from Earth. Uh, uh, would be, would be like wow where where is this? It'd be like me trying to walk around the the old the actual city of Rome during the time of the Roman Empire. I wouldn't know where to go anywhere, and that's and I do know the city. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well yeah. said. And how about you, Nate? What, what do you think about Star Trek Four? Well, for Star Trek Four, um, uh, you, you were given numbers. I would give it about an, a, a nine uh, out of ten for overall. Uh, some uh, some trivia since uh, 
since Charles was doing a good job of bringing up some trivia, one little piece of trivia I want to bring up is the fact that that was not the Enterprise in the scenes uh, that uh, when they were on the ship, that was actually the USS Ranger, uh, which apparently has uh, been used as a filming location in uh, a couple different movies. The Final Countdown also in 1980, Top Gun in 86, and Flight of the Intruder in 91. So it's apparently a pretty popular ship to use for, uh, for uh, movies. I did not know that. I did. They were that clever about it, too. Because they show the Enterprise from the outside, and it's pretty clever how they change that. Yep. Um, Interesting. Well, yeah, that's all, all that information is on uh, Memory Alpha. That's where I pulled it from. Well, well, it makes sense they wouldn't be have access to the Enterprise. I mean, it was an active ship of the line in 85. And it is the height of Cold War, so maybe they, they're a little, maybe an issue of security back then. Yeah, that could be. That totally yeah. makes sense. It also says that the uh, the Ranger was actually stationed in San Diego at the time, so that's where they were actually at Ooh. when they were filming the scene. And for 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 you know people like me who have no idea, how far is San Diego and San Francisco? Are they like near each other? Uh, I'd say about they, uh, eight to ten hours drive. Oh wow! Ten hours, five. About from New York. Well, about from what Miami? I mean, uh, what Florida is from New York City. <laughs> Pretty much. Wow! Uh, it's way down the coast. Yeah. Wow! Wow! And yeah. now, Shannon, as our, as our resident Star Trek IV uh, expert, <laughs> what do you want to say about the movie? What are your favorite parts? What endeared it to you? as your favorite Star Trek movie? Well, one thing that I thought was very cute was when they had to sell his glasses, you know, but he's like, oh, it was a present. It's okay. There'll be a present again later. Like, <laughs> like stuff like that. That's right. Just, yeah, it was just funny. And um, it's I don't think about it being just funny. It's just like that you all talked about the fact that it's because it's, it's those people that we know really well. And it's not like they're random people who are in we're in, with but like when he gives a pill to somebody to insure them and they just do the stuff that they do normally but just weird because it's the 80s and the 80s were strange that's for sure yes they were (laughs) absolutely and how about you eric what do you think about star trek 4 what would you give it Oh man, it's uh, it's right up there. I mean, I think it's probably well, it's for sure my top five, probably my top three. I think I think it's number three on my list. Um, there's a lot of good stuff in here. You guys have covered a ton of it. Uh, since everybody else is doing trivia, I'll give you my one little trivia point that I know. Um, there's actually a scene that they wrote, but they deleted from the movie that explains why Savick stays on Vulcan. And it's because from Star Trek Three, we know that she helped Spock through his pond far. And in fact, it's supposed to be that Savick actually is pregnant with Spock's child. Um, and so that's kind of one of those interesting um, like consequence things that we've talked about on the show before that we don't really deal with. I mean, we see in Star Trek Three, she starts to help him through pond far, and then obviously we don't see what goes on on screen afterwards, but then mysteriously, all of a sudden, she's dumped on Vulcan, um, and she's still a Starfleet officer. We don't know why, so that's why. Um, 
but I guess one of the things we haven't talked about yet that's one of my favorite parts of the of the movie, and this might get a little political, but you know, in the mid '80s, there really was a a worry about whaling and about disappearance of whales and uh, other cetacean species, you know, in the ocean. So this movie kind of took that concept on and uh, made a statement the way that uh, sometimes Star Trek is wont to do. And I think they did it in a way that was entertaining and fun and humorous, mostly because it was a little bit of a touchy subject. And somehow they had to like make a statement about it without offending too many people. Uh, And I think that they did a very, very excellent job with that. So I love the kind of underlying message of environmentalism and um, saving of the species that are, you know, part of this uh, movie. So wanted to bring that up. Um, I wanted to bring up the fact that this is the third time, I believe, that they've used the, um, what do they call it, the slingshot effect, like the time factor breakaway effect. There are two episodes of TOS where they use it. Um, one is the, uh, the one that I always forget the name of, but it's the one where they go back and it has the Navy uh, guys, what's that one called? Uh, tomorrow is yesterday. Tomorrow is yeah, yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know why I cannot remember the name of that episode. Um, but they but they do it there, and there's another old episode where they go back and they do that. And so I have to believe that the computations for doing a a time travel backwards have to be a pretty closely guarded secret in Starfleet, right? Like Spock seems to be able to pull them out, but they certainly don't want anybody. <laughs> going back in time and changing things willy-nilly. So uh, one to mention that, I think that's kind of a cool thing that they bring back something from the original series. And then uh, the last thing I'll bring up is that I think that this movie, and I haven't done the research to see if other people think this, but I imagine they do. Is this not the origin of the cetacean ops that we get in uh, the technical drawings for the Enterprise D? You know, in the Enterprise D, supposedly there was a whole section of the saucer section uh, that was called Cetacean Ops. That, I mean, Cetacean is whales. They're the Cetacean Institute here in Star Trek IV. So there's supposed to be mm-hmm. some, like, whale crew members on the Enterprise D. And I almost wonder if George and Gracie were kind of like the genesis of that. I know they get dropped off in the ocean. Maybe their kids <laughs> became officers on the Enterprise D. Hopefully they wouldn't wow. take the only whale baby into space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah anything so is possible. Kind of fun yeah. <laughs> so, um, you guys have already mentioned all the humor. I love all the 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 hells that spot. You know, attempting the hell to communicate, Captain. Um, just, uh, do, you know, I cannot lie. Do you remember you used to? The hell I can't. And he, <laughs> <laughs> totally Yo. inappropriately using the hell all over the place. I just there's that whole kind of middle part of the movie where I just can't stop laughing because everybody's just saying stupid stuff. So a lot of fun. I'm gonna give this movie an eight point five. It is um not the like deepest story, but I love the environmental message and I love the humor. Um so this one this one is definitely one that I could rewatch just about any time. It's like when you're feeling a little down Well, since everybody else was throwing out trivia, I guess what would the show be if Uncle Jim didn't throw his out there too? So here's my trivia for the. So I was at a convention many many years ago, and of course um, George Takei was there, and 
he told the story that the scene where they're walking down the road and he's walking along with Scotty and Dr. McCoy and they're off to build their wall. He walks by a saloon and he looks in the window. If, and if you watch in the movie, when they walk by the saloon, he kind of turns around and he points his finger in the window and he keeps walking. Well, what had happened, what actually happened in that particular scene is when he looks in the window, they had a woman in there that was topless and flashed George. And, it, of course, everybody knows that, uh, you know, George's response to that. And he was kind of like, you got me, you got me. And they and Leonard Nimoy <laughs> left it in the movie. But you never get to see what he's responding to. And he told us at a convention. It was a topless woman in that oh. bar. That they paid to flash him, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Really funny. It's not the reaction and, they wanted. Not yeah. yeah, it's kind of every time I see the movie after he told us that every time I see that movie, I say, I know what he's talking about, what he's pointing at is that it's that topless woman in that bar. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but another uh-huh. thing is when 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 Sulu says I was born there, you know, in, meaning San uh-huh. Francisco after the bar yeah. scene with the, with the topless woman and they walk by the wall and it says, uh, let your fingers do the walking, find it in my bell or whatever that, that, uh, yellow giant yeah. yellow page. Yeah. The, 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 the people that walk out the door are great grandparents, which Aww. was really pretty cool. And, uh, oh, cool. so yeah, those were just a couple of, couple of little things that I've picked up from my, Years and years and years of going to conventions. So, before we wrap up the show, does anybody want to add anything about Star yep. Trek for the voyage home? Yes. Yeah, I got. I got completely, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I got. Yep, I got one little side note uh, to the environmental thing. Um, mm-hmm. Just, just say that Star. You know, when people say Star Trek doesn't have an effect, I just like to say something about the humpback whale population. Now back in the mm-hmm. day, it was they were they were all the brink of, of extinction. Uh, about less than 500 of them were existing around that time. As of as of 2019, there there are over 25,000 of them now. So mm-hmm. they they we had it, it had an effect. Yep. Wow. That that's so cool. That's well, awesome. Well, yeah. That is awesome. Well, I was going to say something because um, about the same time the movie came out, I was doing a report on. Well, humpback whales, and I didn't know because I went to, at the first week. I didn't know the whales were in the movie. So when I heard the the sounds from the probe, I knew what it was probably before anybody else. I'm like, it's the whales! It's the, <laughs> it's the <Awesome."> whales! <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I guess once again, Charles gets to bring up the caboose on Star Trek for the voyage home. What are your thoughts, Charles? Lay it on us. Well. Why would this movie a bit of an influence on me? Well, they credit the crash of the Challenger in January 28, 1986. Well, ironically, guess where I was January 28, 1986? In San Jose, California, going to a trade school in California. I was living in San Jose, just outside of San Francisco, about the time this movie is set. So, this was classic San Francisco. But there's also a line, I was waiting to see anybody mention it, they did. 
one of the lines in there, in most theaters, got a chuckle. This line, if you were in Nevada, Vegas, or Utah, this one line had everybody roaring. When they said, oh, fuck. He had problems back in the 1960s. He had a little too much LDS. Yeah. He was so close to Utah, the entire, I remember the entire theater region up for laughing because they love that joke so much. It's like, gee, living so close to Utah, it's like, oh, not LMD, he had LDS. Like, oh, we had too much religion in the 1960s. <laughs> what a great line in there. And we can't help but mention transparent aluminum, which just recently has been discovered and found. But they actually finally able to come up with the formula to it. But the Scotty came back and oh well, how do we know he didn't invent this? <laughs> but the, True, that, that yeah. is a great scene. But Star Trek lore will sit there and say, like, okay, they couldn't do it back then. But you go into the future, okay, there's transparent aluminum. It just shows the influence of Star Trek. This is definitely a nine for me. For... Being so close to reminiscing of San Francisco at that time. And the comedy. This one's definitely a nine for me. This was definitely, I think, one of my favorite search. Yeah, they're they're all they're all good for different reasons. Well guys, believe it or not, that's the end of another show. So I definitely want to say thank you so so much to Shannon for calling tonight and Trek talking with us about Star Trek 4. Thank you, Shannon. Anytime. And we definitely want to say thank you to Terrence for calling from all the way from, we have, we have the Las Vegas crew with us tonight, it seems. So thank you to Terrence for calling and, yeah. and talking to us about Star Trek 4. Thank you, Terrence. Pleasure. Pleasure. And of course, we have to definitely say thank you to Nate for calling from Las Vegas and uh, talking about Star Trek 4 with us. Thank you, Nate. Yeah, you're welcome. It's great to talk about it. I missed Star Trek three uh, uh, last week, I guess. And you guys talked about that. Yeah, we did Star Trek three. I wanted to keep the trilogy together, so we did two, three, and four kind of together. The rest of them were going to just kind of. I'm guessing you guys are going to do five next week. (laughs) No, next. Well, no, I'm going to talk a little bit about next week in a minute. So, uh, but it won't be five, not yet. And, of course, let's, let's finish off our trifecta from Vegas and say thank you to Charles for hanging out and talking about Star Trek Four with us from Las Vegas. There's our Vegas trifecta. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank and you. Great movie always to talk fun. about. Plus cards. So much Trek to talk about. Lots of Trek. Lots of Trek. And, of course, couldn't do the show without Eric from Portland. Thank you for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight, Eric. Absolutely. I had a blast as always. 
It's always fun, and the time just flies right by, doesn't it? And thank you to each and every one of you guys listening, whether you're in Australia or Germany or in the U.K., we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Whether you're listening to us live right now, it's Thursday night. Well, it's Thursday night where I am, Thursday afternoon, Thursday afternoon where you guys are in Vegas, right? Yep. 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 It's it's nine o'clock here. So uh, no matter where you're listening to, whether it's live or Memorex, we appreciate it. Thank you so, so much. And now I promised you guys a little spoiler for next week. And here it is. We won't be talking about Star Trek five next week, but we will get to Star Trek five. Don't worry. Next week, we're going to be discussing Star Trek Discovery season one. And Andy Chekhov Bray is going to be joining us for a brand new monthly segment called Checking In with Chekhov. It's going to be a blast. You guys don't want to miss that. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Jet Reno getting killed off on Star Trek Discovery. Dun, dun, dun. No, You'll have, no, to tune in. No. You'll have to tune in next week and find out. I'm cruel, <laughs> ain't I? She's barely ever on the show anyway. Thanks a lot. Yeah, she's barely there. <laughs> Speaking of Jet Reno getting killed off, we're going to talk about Star Trek conspiracy theories. Dun, 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 dun. And a massive, massive Star Trek Enterprise playset, which is on the way. So you don't want to miss next week's show. Black alert, it's going to be a blast. And here comes AJ, right at the end of the show, to, to jump on me. So I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying thank you so, so much for joining us tonight. Make sure you head over to our Facebook page and give us a like, give us a follow. And please, if you can, if it's at all possible, while you're on our Facebook page, you'll see a fundraiser to help Trek Talking get to Star Trek Las Vegas. I'm sorry. Uh, Star Trek, the 55-year mission in Las Vegas. Um, We're running a fundraiser uh, to get us there. We want to have some shirts. We want to have some business cards. We want to have a really nice-looking booth so that we look really professional for you guys, and hopefully we can build that into appearances at other conventions. Who knows? But we need to get there first and make it happen. And with 53,000 of you guys out there, all it takes is a small, small fraction of you guys to donate a dollar. And if, if a small, small fraction of you guys donates a dollar, we'll be all set. We can have our T-shirts. We can have our mugs. We can have our keychains. We can give stuff out to you guys as a way of saying thank you for supporting us. So all we need is a dollar and a dream. So if, if you can, please help us out. And if you can't, I understand things are tight because of COVID. That's totally fine. You can help us by sharing our fundraiser with as many of your friends as you possibly can, because the more people that know about it, the more people might be able to give us a dollar. So please help us out if you can. We really, really appreciate it. And thank you so, so much. So anyways, I've taken up enough of your time tonight. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying be good to each other, stay safe, and hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Stay long and prosper. Hi, guys. Can we go already? Yes, fine. Engage.